Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here live from Rogers Arena, the site of the uh, Canucks and Nashville Predators. The uh, debut of the black skate jersey tonight here at Rogers Arena, Sat. Uh, Patterson uh, was quoted to say, uh, or was asked today, why he thinks fans like the black skate jersey so much, and uh, he said it's because it looks the best. Yeah, pretty Pretty simple answer, fair answer. Do you think if the Canucks threw in like, hey, we'll make the black jersey, the black skate jersey permanent, Pedersen would sign a, a long-term extension tomorrow? He'd probably sign a discount. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This can't be in your contract details, but we'll make it happen if you sign <laughs> the uh, the $88 million extension today, Pedersen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it to you. He'll sign it even cheaper. <laughs> We'll sign you for know, nine point five. We'll I'll, do the Aho deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take eighty over eight years. Sure, why not? I'll take the Jack Eichel contract. That's okay. I love the jersey. Yeah, black skate jersey. That'll get it done. Uh, okay, kidding aside. Uh, do we have Irfan Gafar yet? Because we need uh, we need somebody else to to dunk on the uh, Cleveland Browns fan over here. That was a tough game for you on Sunday, Sat. Bit kind of outed you with the uh, the <sighs> reel he posted onto Instagram and Twitter uh, we're, after. We're doing that right now. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I was uh, I wasn't happy. <laughs> I wasn't happy. I mean, they they almost won the football game and they yeah. didn't. Sad sad Browns fan. Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah. Were, you, were you mad Kevin Stefanski drew up a, a pass play in that moment? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of livid to be honest. <laughs> I just, I'm just like I can't I'm like I can't I can't I can't believe you're 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 trusting PJ Walker to pass the ball. You know he's th- you know he has one touchdown pass and like six interceptions. <laughs> I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Yes, <laughs> it's not like you have Aaron Rodgers or like prime Tom Brady. I like, know. Hey, we just get this one first down through the air, and we got the game in the bag. But, no, let's get PJ Walker to do it. And what sucks too is that like Stefanski is a really good coach. Like yeah. this team was down fourteen nothing, and they and they fought back, and he, yeah. he devised a good game plan, and you know the, the guys work hard under him, right? They battle, so it's like he's he's a good coach, but it's like, like I get it, you have confidence, but can you just like. Just like run the ball and punt it, maybe. <laughs> maybe they kick a field goal and you tie. You go to overtime. At yeah. least give me overtime. Like I thought. Okay, I thought. Okay, you know, like at least we at the at the very worst we go to overtime. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then the interception happens. I'm okay. Like, hey, defense is good though, right? <laughs> like they can keep them to a field goal, right? Right. And then Jackson Smith and the Jigbo hasn't done anything forever. And then yeah. Noah Fan, like, get out of here, man. Uh he's 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 broken as a Browns fan. Let's yeah. bring in our next guest. It's Irfan Gafar, Canucks insider. And uh, noted Seahawks fan. Uh, yeah, we, we got one over Sat this week, hey? Well, I mean, JSN, what are you talking about? He hasn't done anything forever. I think he's got two <laughs> touchdowns in the last three weeks. Well, that's what I'm saying. Recently, he just started, he just started getting good. He sucked to begin the season. He's got now, as many all of a TDs sudden, as DK Metcalf this yeah. year, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, did you at least enjoy the warm conference of, of, of the, great, the great Pacific Northwest in Seattle or what? I, I will say Seattle's an awesome city, yeah. right? And driving in, it, it's it's amazing. And when the weather was great, it was what thirteen degrees, sunny out. Like it was, it was a beautiful game to be at. And honestly, it was a great football game. And Seahawks fans, I gotta say, I gotta say, they were great. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. they, I had my Browns jersey on. Nobody like really heckled me outside of some good fun, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And fans were really welcoming. It was great. Yeah, uh-huh. I will. I will tell you this. You know, you win twenty four twenty, and obviously you beat a basically a second, third string quarterback, but. That, that Gino worries me. He scares me. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever and, have and, the and, highest level of confidence in Geno Smith, or if I'm not going to lie about and, that. And to make matters worse, the 49ers just got Chase Young. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. And we they got spent to, less. Them twice. They spent less than the Seahawks did to get Leonard Williams. I don't know if I love that. No. No. And in, in, in John Schneider, we trust, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I was also like surprised by the whole Chase Young thing. Only a third, but like he hasn't yeah. played well, really, right? He's no. been, you know, and the, I guess the thing is, if he goes to San Fran, they always get the most out of guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he realizes his potential finally in San Fran, I was like, give me a break. Well, it's like one of those things. How do you how do you get a guy to buy in when he's playing for a bad team? It's just like, okay, so I'm just going to do whatever I can to get as many sacks as I possibly can to try and make the most money that I can as I get closer to free agency. And maybe it's kind of like a hockey team and a guy just like selling out defensively to score as many goals as he can. I don't know if we've ever seen an example of that in recent memory. No, I don't think we have either, but it's, it's an interesting – We're not going there again, case. I guess, hey? I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry I'm not. can't. Fair enough. God debate me. <laughs> I, might, I might have tried that a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, he definitely in, did. <laughs> instead of that, how about we do Canucks' Halloween candy? What's, uh, what's Quinn Hughes? <laughs> Whatever the best – what is he? What is he like? A pink starburst. Everybody wants him. Everybody wants a pink starburst. Everybody wants a pink starburst, right? Is that 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 right? I don't or know like, about that. This is very. He's, he's a little. He's a gummy bear, isn't he? Yeah. You know, it's the small little gummy bear. Well, I you mean, know? there's a really funny TikTok trend that if you put salt on it, he'll grow. Put it in the fridge, but I'm not going to go there either. So. <laughs> well, this got off the rails quick. Yeah. I, the problem with you this is it. it can be uh, very subjective. Like if you uh, if you're not a, a gummy bears guy, then uh, oh. Quinn Hughes might be a, a wonder bar for you or something. Right. Okay. Here, yeah. let's put it this way: Quinn Hughes is the top tier of whatever Halloween candy you're getting. <laughs> right. Right. There so, we go. So, so the top tier. So Quinn Hughes, Pedersen, they get top tier candy. Does uh does Demko yeah. get top tier candy as well? I think Demko is like mid mid to above average for sure. What about JT? Yes. Because I mean he's played as well as anybody on the team. JT reminds me of like a Crunch Bar. <laughs> you know. It might break your it's teeth, but it's really good. It might break your teeth, but it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's uh, totally fair. Pedersen. Uh, what would we say Pedersen is? He's got to be top tier, right? Yeah, he's, he's near the top. Top tier, but, you know, hasn't made the commitment yet, so you're, you're kind of – Sour Skittles. He... <laughs> you, want, you, you want them. They're good for the short term, but I don't know if you can have that many of them for that, for that long a period of time. <laughs> and then, uh, okay, now, now the other half of the conversation, bottom tier. Who's the big Turk on the roster right now? It's just funny, like, you know when you're going to go to, like, a house and you're just going to get a really, really bad candy bar or something that you don't want? That kind of yeah. reminds me of, like, the third and fourth lines right now. Like, what is happening? I, I saw – Are they like are they a pack of raisins? Like, you get a pack of raisins? <laughs> <laughs> Milk like You went to get candy yeah. and you here's, got raisins? Here's some floss. <laughs> yeah. Someone that gives you, like, sugar, sugar-free taffy or something. <laughs> There was a I don't know if it was a myth or not, but there was an old story going around when I was a kid uh, that uh, Steve Stavro used to own the Maple Leafs and he had this like huge house in the bridal path, like where Drake lives now in in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And if you would go trick or treating at his house, he'd give you a pomegranate. His butler would come out pomegranate in his like long blazer with the like tail at the end and he would give you a pomegranate of all things. They're like four bucks each, too. (laughs) It's like pomegranate stock is rising. Philip Roy. <laughs> so uh okay, um 
<laughs> Jokes aside, uh, you know, we heard from... Uh, <laughs> this one says Dakota Joshua may be an apple at this point. Yeah. <laughs> people Dakota... like this conversation. I'm telling you. It's for the yeah. people. Okay, the, the elephant in the room, or the giraffe in the room, Tyler Myers, what's... Uh... I would think Mr. Big, just because, like, it's in the name. <laughs> it just fits. You know? But I kind of like Mr. Yeah. Big. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's decent. You're kind of – you're okay with it. If someone got rid of it, you'd be like, all right, sure. I, I'm a fan of peanut butter and chocolate in general, so that's uh, kind of my maybe my flaw here. But uh, Yeah, peanut butter and chocolate is an elite combination. It is a very well, good Well, the coach is the O. Henry. Saying, yeah. You know, he, he, he likes There's that one. one. He's also, Coaches. he's also, you know, I know he likes the salt vinegar chips, but he's also got a lot of salt and vinegar in yeah. himself. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's got or some more salt like and piss and vinegar. I yeah, guess. I was going to say. He's got a lot of piss and vinegar <laughs> yeah. in this game, too. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tone says, Hughes is a wonder bar for wonder kid. Petey is Mars bar- Mars because he's an alien. Ah, oh, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Myers is Mars a kind of out of this world. Myers is a Kit Kat because he needs a break. <laughs> that's a good one. Sure, I was just going to Chris Tannen well, might be the kick guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to give him the break. <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay, we, we heard from uh, Dollywall today, and Sat and I, you know, we've been discussing this, and even in, in the hits that you've been on with us for a while now, like you know, this team is, as Patrick Alvin says, always looking to improve, right? And that's kind of – I don't know if we're sold yet that the Canucks are going to be a, a great or good hockey team this year, but – Improving this roster is still on the board for Patrick Alvine. I guess I just wonder how they go about doing that. Is it with yeah. a top-end player more than anything else? You know, like are they looking to add a big player to the forward group or add another big defenseman in the way that they did with Philip Aronik? Or how do you see it? I think what we're seeing with the defense right now is good. And I think that the way that they're playing and the, the way that the pairings are kind of constructed, it's working right now. But I still think for them, a priority would probably be a defenseman, to be completely honest. Look, it'd be nice if you can get a, a power forward or, or a big or, or a big six or top six guy to, to, to you know help improve your lineup, but that's a tough move to make. And like I've always said, it's who are you willing to move out in order to make a move happen like that? Um, you know, we've had conversations obviously a very long time about Brock Besser. You know, his stock obviously rising, but the conversation that he's had with you know Patrick Alvin about wanting to stay here. So does that? come into consideration or is he, is he an asset or, or things like that and they're probably not moving the guys like JT Miller to try and move something so it's what is it is Anthony Beauvillier is he a guy that's he's expendable we've already seen the Connor Garland experiment and them trying to move him that hasn't happened so it's who are you looking for and basically is the other team willing to take someone that you want to get rid of and then the other thing the the, the biggest thing is the money right mm-hmm. it's, it's are you bringing someone in that has some money or, or has term on their contract or what's the situation there and what type of player are you looking for? Are you looking for a guy that's, that's going to come in? The only thing that scares me, guys, is, is if they're in a position around the all-star break or right around the trade deadline and they're in it, like they're right in it. They're top two team in the division. They're probably going to make the playoffs. Is this where, you know, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and, and their staff look at this and say, well, are we, do we think that we actually have a chance if, if we get in? And then are you going to become a buyer? And then are you looking for guys that are rental players just to get into the playoffs and make some noise? I don't think that should be their logic. It, 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 in years past, it kind of has been a little bit, but um, that's the only interesting one. That I mean, obviously the Canucks are playing well right now. Everyone knows it. Everyone's noticing it. But that's kind of the only point where I look at and say, okay, you have to be pretty careful with what you want to do and who you think you are because you're just because you're playing right now or playing well right now. 
And I think that's going to be the big test, right? It's the uh, can you be patient and can you hold firm if you don't get the deals you're looking for? Because, but I still can't envision Earth that if they're adding a rental, they're giving up a first or a second round pick to do it. Like I can't yeah. see them doing that. I think if you're if they're giving something of that value up, I think it's for something they they think they can be, hold beyond just one playoff run. But it becomes interesting when it comes to the to the smaller pieces. Are they willing to trade some prospects or some lower picks, some mid picks to maybe get something to help them out? I think that's something obviously that could happen. But I think the the preference is still to add difference makers. But the reality yeah. is that's hard to do, right? And outside of adding Ethan Bear on the back end, is that anything they're capable of actually doing? I have I have my doubts, right? So I wonder that if you if you feel like you can sign Bear and you can wait for the off season. Do they look a bit more aggressively if a big name forward comes available? Because those those guys might come available, especially if some teams keep struggling when we get to the All Star break. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they bought out OEL, and I don't think anyone, any member of the media in Vancouver, thought that they were going to do that. Yeah, um, I, don't, I actually don't think a lot of people, even if you watch the team, that they that that, that they're really going to buy out OEL. So the chance of the Canucks making a surprising move is definitely there. Um, they definitely, obviously, talked about it, but. Um, I agree with you to your point. You know, you look at teams that might be struggling around, you know, the, the, the trade deadline and even right around the all-star break just to see and kind of, you know, pinpoint conversations that you want to have and, you know, key in on guys that you like. So it's one of those things where it's, it's again, it's, it's all about money and it's all about term. And it's about, like you just mentioned, you know, being a difference maker. I don't think they want to add guys that are just going to help them kind of get over the edge for this season. I think if you're going to add someone, you want them to be able to, you know, be, be with this team and, and with this core for the foreseeable future. Oh, and we've seen them do that already, right? Like yeah. find the, the short-term fixes, Ian Cole and Sam Lafferty and uh, some of these guys. Like, you know, the, the, and Patrick Alvin knows when he's going out and acquiring these guys that they're not uh, long-term fixes for the roster. It's mm-hmm. uh, we, we don't have the cap space. We don't have the assets to go and uh, acquire maybe the guys that we'd like to to add you know, a real staple, a core piece to this roster yet. They, they've already done, you know, sort of the, the bandage-type pieces already this summer. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's it. I think you're hearing all these conversations as well. It's because of the way that they've been playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've been playing some pretty good hockey. Look, I know it's in, it's in a small sample size, and they're probably due for a stinker here at some point, but they've been playing well. You know, their top guys have showed up every single night. They're getting good goaltending. And I think the biggest thing, the concern that we've all had, has been the defense, and it hasn't looked that bad. To be completely honest, in, in, in the games that they've been in, you know, it's funny what one or two guys can 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 make to a team and, and, and how much of a difference it makes. You know, it's a lot easier to win hockey games when you're not pulling the puck out of your net three or four times a night, right? And, and the defense is definitely helping with that. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, like, making any sort of move is with, with their cap situation, uh, you, know, you can't really do that unless you move a, a Connor Garland or a Tyler Myers, as we've talked about for Lord knows how long. Yeah, way too long. I mean, that's. I mean, we're going to continue to talk about that every single Tuesday until yeah. they, until one of them's gone. That's mm-hmm. going to. It's 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 inevitable. Um, but I, look, I it's no secret that that they're trying or have been trying for a very very long time on Connor Garland, like we talked about for the last eighteen mo- nineteen months now, and we we just have to wait and see what happens to Tyler Myers. When uh, when do you think they can approach Patterson if they keep having success to be like, hey, uh, so the contract. Are you are you maybe willing to sign in season? Like, what do you think they could? Open I mean, they that can they, they can go up to him as many times as he wants. He doesn't have to answer the phone, right? Yeah. But that's why I'm wondering I, I, when like, when when, yeah. when will he answer on that? Like, does it even will he do it in season at all? Like, you know, if they keep I having success, so. I I I really do think so. I think that they're going to kind of try and use 
the JT model maybe mistake or whatever it was to try and figure out what 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 Elias Pettersson's number is going to be at. They have to have an idea, right? You you know what the number is, and I just think it's it's the big contract, it's the term. It's it does he want to be here for you know X amount of years, or is he definitely still has his heart set on you know taking a shorter term deal and then and, and kind of seeing how this season plays out and you know seeing if if they go and acquire other players or, or if they go and make moves to, to make this team better for the future it's a tough it, it's a tough one but I, but I think that look I don't think that they've ever tabled their biggest offer to him or the one that makes him think mm-hmm. um I, I I have a feeling that they definitely have an idea of what the number is going to be and you know what that's something that wouldn't shock me if they did it before the new year well I think the the obvious thing is like as long as these good vibes are going it, it it's probably only good news for the Vancouver Canucks and uh, whether or not Elias Patterson wants to be sour Skittles or something more per- permanent with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that I look. It's it, it's a tough one because you know you watch an interview with Elliot Friedman, you, you see the things that he says, you see that's what's written about him, and then you see what one the way that he talks about it. I just I really don't think that he knows if he wants to be here long term yet. And at the end of the day, he's the only one that's going to give that answer. No matter if it's his agent saying that, you know, this is a great offer or what have you, or, or you know, Patrick Alvin or whoever saying that, you know, this, this is going to be amazing and Vancouver's going to be really good. It's, it's really up to the player at the end of the day. And I really from, you know, as of maybe today or yesterday, again, at least person, I don't think has an idea if he wants to stay here long term or not. Uh, before we let you go, um, I, I don't know. This is the worst excuse for a team being less than, uh, than the sum of their parts. Did you see this exclusive story about your Manchester United today? The players are struggling because their kits are too small. Is it, did I get that right? I did. I did. The kits are too. No, the kit. No, actually, oh, Nana's kit's a replica. Yeah. Uh, the the socks are too tight. <laughs> the socks and then, are and too then there tight. There's something else. There's something else. Hey, man, Daily Mail. You've got UK. There's some wild stuff on that website. If you go deep enough. <laughs> yeah, you, you talk about reporting being uh, being offside here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the manager's no, I mean, tactics look, suck. You, you, no, you, you, no, you it's like. the socks. They're too tight. The socks are too tight. <laughs> That's always, the problem. I've always, said, I've always said North American, you know, media when it comes to, to sports, and we think it's bad and things like that, and the fan culture. Just go to Europe and watch a soccer game. Don't even watch it. Don't even have a Premier League game. Go watch like a Division Two game in Italy, or, or or something wild like that, or any 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 country in Europe. It's it, it's another planet. We have no idea. We're actually quite lucky with what we have here. Uh, no doubt. Uh, Irv, always appreciate the time. Uh, have fun trick-or-treating tonight, hey? All right, guys. Get some candy in you. Uh, there is uh, Irv Angafar, Canucks insider, joining us uh, here on Canucks Central. Uh, for, for those that are wondering what might be happening in the background, a uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil uh, is uh, going to be having one of the intermission uh, performances here tonight, and they're going through their little dress rehearsal. Cirque du Soleil. That looks, uh, looks pretty cool, actually. That's actually worth... I'll never Sticking not think of what's the movie where Paul Rudd and, and Seth Rogen go to Cirque du Soleil. This is forty. This is forty. Yeah, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, yeah. I'll never not think of Cirque du Soleil in that context ever. <laughs> but it's actually uh, it's actually a great. Uh, have you been to a show before? I have been. Yeah, they're really good. Once in a while, we get free tickets at the office, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, but. Uh, I, I would recommend. Uh, it's Dan Richo and Satyar. Ten out of ten would recommend. 
Uh, all right, coming up, we'll get into uh, the Calgary Flames. Uh, they've become, uh, no pun intended, tire fire uh, in the last little while with the way their season has started. Matt Rose uh, from Sports at 960 is going to join us next here on Canuck Central. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Central continues here in the mobile Kintech studio here at Rogers Arena. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Man, people got thoughts on the Canucks' Halloween candy. How about Pew Suter as Toblerone? Is a Toblerone a Halloween candy? I've always felt like it's a more of a holiday candy. It is more. I mean, unless you get the minis. Ah, uh, the mini Toblerones. Yeah. You can't get them. They're very hard to find. Yeah. They're, they're not cheap either. Uh, That's like an airport thing, yeah. right? Like you always get like, oh, I should get Toblerone for somebody when <laughs> yeah. you're at the airport duty-free. <laughs> My grandma would like this. <laughs> That's what I'm going to bring home. <laughs> Toblerone. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I would say Toblerone is definitely more of a holiday candy. It is goes it in line good? with like turtles and, uh, and Ferrero Rocher. And I'm not sure if Toblerone is even good. I mean, it's, it's I chocolate it's, and it's nuts. Real crunchy. I it is crunchy. I would like, if we're talking Christmas candy, I'm taking Ferrero Rocher 100 right? times out of 10. Right? 100%. <laughs> Beret equals rockets. See, the problem with rockets is they're trash. So right. I, I get the the rocket reference. But, like, you don't want to. Yeah, but I don't want to associate my childhood favorite player with rockets. I'm not dignifying <laughs> this with rockets. Um. Lots of texts coming in. Uh, Colin from the Caribou. You guys never mentioned Steven Seagal was guessing with Earth today. <laughs> guessing with there was the the seagulls in the background oh, while Earth was uh, was on the show. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> there are uh, your Canucks as uh, as Halloween candy. Let's bring in our next guest. Next guest, uh, Matt Rose from Sportsnet nine sixty. Uh, thanks for this, Matt. Uh, if if the Calgary Flames start to a season was a Halloween candy, what would it be? Uh, like those little candy corns that you can't wait to throw in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, those are bad. How about we rephrase the question and say cinnamon what hearts because yeah. they're really spicy still. It's really hot because of the flames, but everyone still kind of thinks they're garbage. But like a couple people are like, "Well, these are pretty good." Yeah, and like most a... people are like, "Okay, I guess." Well, yeah. All right, if that's your cup of tea. Yeah, someone's gonna <laughs> yeah, like that's it. Yeah, probably it. Yeah. Uh, what horror movie? is the start to the flame oh. season. Oh, man, we literally did this on the morning show today, and I, I'm such a coward. I don't do horror movies at all, so uh, it wasn't necessarily something that was going to be up my alley. Uh, we had a lot of people saying scary movie because it was a little bit of a joke at times, which I thought was <laughs> maybe a little bit extreme. But, yeah, it, it was, it's been a little bit all over the place. It's, uh, it's been a tough one to start for sure. Well, if I know George Russick, he had a, he had a take on those things to back you up uh, from from not being a horror movie guy. So so you're okay on that, Matt. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, no, he definitely did. He not always one to let me off the hook. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so, what's going on here with the Flames? What's what's your read of the situation now? And 
Now, how has this start to the season sort of altered Craig Conroy's decision-making with this team, as we saw uh, Eric Francis's story today as well on Sportsnet.ca? Yeah, I think this is a team just dealing with a lot of the problems that we saw last year. It's a group that didn't turn over much of the personnel in the offseason. You had the Tyler Toffoli trade and the hope that some of the prospects were maybe going to take a step up and Sharon Govich would have a little bit more of a role on this team that would be prominent at this point. But apart from that, you didn't really change a whole lot of the roster, and you've come back, and you're still not scoring that well. The power play started out okay, but has turned stagnant. This team just doesn't look like it has it offensively. I think that's the biggest problem here, is that when you watch the team try and create, try and score, try and do anything at 5-on-5, they struggle, whether it's getting to the neutral zone, whether it's having sustained pressure, they just can't seem to find ways to score, and I think that's been one of the biggest problems with this team all season long. It's one of the reasons that everyone's already starting to get pretty frustrated. On top of that, you have a new defensive system, which has given up some goals here and there. Jacob Markstrom's given them a chance to win most of the games they've played this season. Dan Blair's been saw when he's been going to, but that's been one of the biggest issues with the team. And obviously, we all saw Eric Francis' story, um, and, and I think we all could have expected this to be coming, but with the Flames having the start to the season that they're having, contract talks with Hannafin and Lindholm are on hold. I think that's the right thing to do because to this point, the group has not been able to change, has not been able to show you that it, it can keep this window of contention that we all had hoped would be here when you kind of airlifted some parts in here after some really key ones decided to leave. And now you're sitting here and, and there's a real fork in the road. And, and a lot of fans would like to see a full rebuild. Eric talks more about a little bit more of a retool. They have a lot of good players on expiring deals that could give them a lot of power going into the rest of the season. But that's kind of where they sit right now, and, and we haven't even hit the 10-game mark for the Flames. Well, and I think, you know, there's a fascinating question, too, about what is Calgary going to do in terms of their pivot anyways? Because they have Huberto signed to a long-term contract, obviously. I mean, they have Nazem Kadri signed to a long-term contract. A big part of their core group is signed still. So it's not going to be this tear-it-down rebuild, and ownership probably would never go for it anyways. So even if they, they do pivot, what type of pivot could we expect from them? It's hard to say because, like, for the longest time, I have believed in going into the offseason that, you know, the the full rebuild was going to be hard to do because when you do have players like Jacob Markstrom who signed for a few more years and Huberto and Condry and Rasmus Anderson, Michael Backlund, I just didn't see it as a team that's going to bottom out and be bottom three, bottom five in the league just with based on the talent that you had especially if you were keeping guys around. Now, with what we've seen early on, and this team struggled to score and improve on what we saw last year with all the coaching changes and everything there, I think it's reasonable for everybody to kind of look at it and say, well, what what are we looking at here? What do we have going on? And how are we going to address it? You know, now if you're not going to sign these guys, you have Elias Lindholm at under $5 million, which any playoff team would like to have him at you know, two and a half if you really want to sweeten the pot for them on an expiring deal. 
You can do the same thing with Noah Hannafin, who's also getting paid less than $5 million. Nikita Zadorov and Chris Tanev aren't the sexiest names out there, but a lot of playoff teams would like to have these guys on their third pair. You know, I don't have to preach poetic about Chris Tanev to Vancouver very much. I think everyone out there definitely understands that. So you, you have an opportunity here to be a little bit of a power broker. you got Dylan Dubé as an RFA, but that's a little bit of a different situation, I would say. Um, but you have an opportunity here to really be one of the teams that holds a lot of pieces. And if you want to kind of get ahead of this and, and trade some guys that were wishy-washy and maybe not signing here anyways to start, well, then you could get ahead of it and, and try and see what happens after you move those guys out, get your assets back, and just kind of wash your hands and try and really start new with these guys that you've committed to long-term. Uh, it's a really sticky spot to be because you do have co- contracts with Cadre and Huberto that are not going to be able to be traded at the value that they're at. And they, they're, you know, you go to cap friendly and they get that little red arrow on the right that just says like, yeah, it's going to keep going on for a very long time. So what happens with those two, they just have to try and get back to their game. But uh, I feel like we've been saying that for, you know, a year and eight games now. So um, it's hard to do understand what you're really going to expect from those guys at the dollar rate. You kind of have to temper your expectations, but then you have to temper your expectations for the team, and then it gets us to this particular spot. Well, I think, you know, with, with both of those players, uh, you know, Huberto and, and Kadri, and, and Huberto maybe e- even more so because, you know, he's the big piece, part of the big trade uh, with, with Matthew Kachuk and, you know, one of the things about Huberdeau is as much as he can be, uh, you know, an offensive superstar, I, I kind of see him a, a little bit in a uh, – well, the, the comparison I've made in the past is, is Phil Kessel, where, like, he he's a great player, can be a great scorer, but do you want him to be the number one guy on your team? Probably not. He's, he's probably best suited as a guy who's the number two, like he was with Sasha Barkov and – the way Kessel, you know, really flourished being behind Sidney Crosby and, and Evgeny Malkin. And I think that's – that's I don't know how the Flames overcome that now that they're paying Hubie $10.5 million a year. Well, yeah, and, and that's become the hardest part, right? Like you – we you know, one of the conversations that George and I had on our show last week was how many true game breakers are in the NHL. And we as a show kind of came up with a list of – 29 or 30 guys and then hemmed and hawed back and forth on maybe four or five other ones. And the Flames didn't have any guys on that list. Um, the Canucks would have had a guy like Pedersen on that list. There's players in this division that would be on the list, like obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl and guys like that. Giro's not on that list and the Flames don't have somebody on that list. And you kind of need to have somebody who is going to go out there and really steal you the game. Because, you know, you even go back and you kind of watch over Jonathan Huberto highlights and and there's a lot of good things there. But as you start to watch more and more and more, um, it's one of those things that you look and you're like, oh, he's kind of trying to do a lot of this stuff in the flames and now it's not really working for him. And as a result, you're saying, oh, man, did, did you pay this guy $10.5 million to basically be what he is right now, um, the best years of Huberto perhaps already passing him by, and you knowing that it can be there, but you never got to see it up close. You got to see it just in the twilight, which is almost the worst way to enjoy it. So 
it, it's a really tough spot for them to be in because how do you how do you work around ten and a half at the point where the cap currently is? You know, if it goes up nine million dollars over the next two off seasons, like people are expecting, okay, now ten and a half is a little bit more palatable. There's going to be a lot of players making ten and a half by that point, but they're also probably going to be getting you more than sixty points a season at that point. So. It's it's the catch twenty two with the Flames right now. Um, you've paid this player ten and a half million dollars. He he's had you know a, a couple of good stints as a member of a, of the Flames, but he hasn't been able to put together a really great stretch of hockey. The Flames fans have been able to really see the talent there and see this is what we're paying for. And as a result, it's just it just feels like the hole is getting deeper and deeper for Huberto here at the Flames. Well, and I think that's that's one of the big issues in general. It just seems like he hasn't been able to get going at all. And what, what is his level of confidence? And I know it's easy to point to, you know, Daryl Sutter last year and say, hey, it was a coach's problem. You got rid of the coach. Now it's going to be better. I think the coaching change, and it's only, and I guess, you know, part of it is it is only nine games in, right? Things can change conceivably. But I think it's sinking in that it's not the coach, it's the players. Yeah, I think that. To a certain extent, like, I, I also think that if, you know, Daryl Sutter was still here, would the team be having the same level of success? I just think that things had come to an end with that coach. So mm-hmm. Certain things had become untenable. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you mentioned, you, you're seeing more of the same. And there's a lot of the players who were vocal about Daryl Sutter and wanting him out um, that have said that – are not showing the results this year. Like the comments from Nikita Zadorov just last week, I thought were, were extremely telling. You know, he mentioned, you, know, you don't want Daryl Sutter. You want the different coach. Now you just have to get out there and you have to play and you have to show that you can do it. And we haven't seen that yet from this group. And I think that's been one of the most frustrating things. You know, it, it's kind of crazy to have the Lindholm, Kachuk, Goudreau line, where for that season, it felt like they were the best line in hockey. Uh, they could do no wrong. And as a result, the other four lines, or the other three lines for this team just fell into place. And they essentially didn't change for the rest of the year. And part of that was health, but part of that was career years across the board for the top three players, but guys like Matt Japani and Backlund down the line as well. And they stayed together for the entire year. Since they've traded away Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau signing Columbus, the only line that has really been able to fit together has been Backlund, Coleman, and Mangiapane. The rest has never really been able to stick for more than 10, 12 games. Um, Daryl Sutter would constantly have the lines in a blender, and we've seen Ryan Huska do it even more so to start this year. So, that's the one of the confusing things. You can't find anybody who can play well with Nazem Kadri uh, for stretches. Maybe Adam Rzichka, but then he had the shoulder injury as soon as he started to feel good. So that went out the window. And now you've got Huberto, who they want him to play with, with Elias Lindholm so bad. But those two, for whatever reason, just cannot make it work. Um, and as a result, you just keep having to shuffle the lines and nothing is sticking and it's just a tough way to live if you're the Flames because you've got this one line that's really working, but essentially if that line is going, you're in a good spot because they're your best third line. That's the backline group. The, the rest ahead, it has to be better, and it just hasn't been. Is Chris Tanev their second best 
trade chip behind Elias Lindholm? I think it would have to be Noah Hannafin just because the chance at signing a 26-year-old who's played in the NHL since he was 18 to an extension, I think a lot of teams would be very happy to do that. You know, you don't always get a player like him becoming available, kind of like Hampus Lindholm. I think there's a lot of groups that would be pretty eager to make that work, especially because I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to make nine million dollars i think it's probably going to be something that's maybe you know the seven and a half eight would be a lot more reasonable seven million dollars especially with some of the other deals that we've seen signed around the nhl recently like the power deal and the darlene money like he's definitely not getting that high you know i, I think a little bit more closer to the hand is lindholm would make sense so i think he would be up there chris tanev is really interesting because the dollar wouldn't be much and you get him for a playoff run uh, if you don't want to re-sign him after the season, you, nece- you wouldn't necessarily have to. He's a guy that I think would go to market, and there's a lot of teams that would be eager to sign him for his services. A guy who, in the playoffs, is going to fight through every injury. He is going to be the first guy over the boards for your penalty kill. You can essentially play him with almost any defenseman, and you know he's just going to be solid in his own end and, and get the puck up the ice. Don't necessarily rely on him for offense, but... There's a lot of teams that have defensemen that you know, you're relying on for offense apart from Chris Tanner. It's a perfect guy to go down and do a third pair and, and do a, a number one penalty killing role for any team. But I do think that just the appeal of Noah Hannafin and uh, Elias Lindholm obviously being their top trade chip, I think he would probably come in at number three for me. Hey, Matt, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for this. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. There is uh, Matt Rose from uh, Sportsnet 960 and the morning show there with our friends in Calgary. Uh, Canucks still going through uh, their dress rehearsals for tonight's game as uh, the noise in the background. But um, it's uh, I know a lot of Canucks fans would uh, love to see Tanev back in Vancouver. And uh, it's just... You need so much more of the season to play out for something like that to actually develop. It's not an October trade or a November trade. That's a February in the lead-up to the deadline type of trade for whomever goes after Chris Tanev this year as a rental. And it's not going to be Vancouver. No. It just can't be. I just can't envision that you're giving up a first-round pick. Yeah. Because that's what it's going to be, right? I mean, Chris Tanev is going to get traded. his reputation is that sterling around the league that – 33-year-old defenseman is going to get a first-round pick? Yeah, I think so. I mean, at the very least, it's a second-plus prospect. Yeah. We're talking about a righty defenseman that a team's going to look at and say, hey, he can help us win a Stanley Cup potentially. He's elite at eating pucks, great playoff guy. You know, so, yeah, it's going to cost a lot to get rid yeah, of Chris Tanev as a rental. Even if it's not a first-round pick, are you in a position where the Canucks should be trading away a prospect in a second to get him? Rentals shouldn't be on the table. No, and, and it can't. He's 33. If he was somebody that you're like, okay, we can sign him. For instance, Noah Hannafin. Now, I'm not saying they should go after him, but, hey, at least you get him and you sign him. He's 26. Okay, it's a guy you feel like is going to be part of your core and he's a top four defenseman. And, again, I'm just using him as an example. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. go after He's a lefty. I wouldn't go after him anyways. But that's the point here. Tanev doesn't fit that. So I just I think that's one of the things that if you get to the offseason and he's still a free agent, I'd explore it. Yeah. They signed Ian Cole to a one-year deal. Can you sign Tanev to a one- or two-year deal, potentially? Yeah, find you know, a stopgap to get you to Willander or whatever it might be. 
if you look at the free agent market, there's no real top-end righty defenseman available. It's going to have to come via trade, and if you can't find the trade, you're probably better off to go after a stopgap for a year or two than overspend on something that doesn't make sense to see if Willander, like you said, can be that guy in a year or two. But that's where I'm at with Tanev. I don't think it's realistic for the team. So uh, that's the story with the Calgary Flames. It's uh, not a pretty one right now, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's looking like a team that uh, – the coach wasn't the only problem, as we figured out last season. So um, I, I wanted to test out a new segment today. Okay. Because it's been early in the season, and, you know, you listen to every talk show, every sports talk show, and it's like, well, small sample size, but, and I'm, I'm victim of it myself. I do it all the time. But we've been having fun with it. Uh, so, fun with small sample sizes is the segment, and essentially, producer Josh will uh, introduce a topic, and then uh, we debate whether or not we are uh, into it or not into it. Are we seeing something that's real or something that is just, uh, well, fun with small sample sizes? Uh, so, Josh? Uh, yeah, we've got a few here, so we'll start with the Canucks one. The Canucks are on pace to have their best defensive season since 2011. 195 goals against versus 2011 was uh, 185 goals against. Uh, that's fun with small samples. It is very right fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. So much fun I can't contain myself. <laughs> now that is uh, total goals for, not uh, not five on five. It is uh, total goals for as per uh, you know NHL.com statistics, not uh, what you might see at Natural Statric or something like that. Now I'm buying that the Canucks are very much improved defensively but I would say that they are not going to be a team that allows fewer than 200 goals against this year even if they maintain a lot of the goodness that they've been able to show defensively so far this year yeah I, I think t that is uh that's elite right like yeah. it's, it's not just elite it's like next level something that teams very rarely do like um so last year one team allowed under 200 goals and that boston was the boston bruins. bruins 177 the second team which was uh you may have heard of them and they've they've been known as a good stingy team and that's the carolina hurricanes yeah and they gave up 213 so i'm taking I, i'm fading <laughs> the under 200 I'm, how are the bruins like 36 goals better than the next best defensive team that's how you get 135 <laughs> points in a season and win 65 games that's how right uh, by the way the bruins are the, the only team in the league that have allowed fewer goals in the vancouver canucks so far this year and they might be repeating the same thing they did last year without bergeron and Krejci. it's insane one of the few teams at least it's unreal but and even them i don't think they're going to best last year's record the boston yeah, yeah. bruins right uh which they're on pace for right, right now but i think I think 210 or so. Sure, I can yeah. see that 215 puts you in the top five. Like if, you could, if you could be under 220, last year that would have put you in the top five. And they were, what, 290-something last year? So like yeah, that would they be gave, a massive improvement. They gave up 298, and they scored 276. Yeah. So that's a difference. Even getting to even getting to 220, that would be a 78-goal swing. And that's uh, – you know, so the indication is like just to, to sort of showcase how much better the Canucks have been defensively. But, yeah, uh, the uh, 2011 team was just on another level defensively back then. All right, what do we got next? Uh, next small sample is uh, Frank Vitrano on pace for 92 goals this Frankie season. Frankie V! 
Yeah, I know Reach is going to be all over this one. <laughs> How many hat tricks does he have this year? Like seven. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he's got two, right? Yeah, he got two he's got two, two hat tricks already. Yeah. And um, so, like – the Anaheim Ducks have actually been pretty good so far this season. Uh, you know, they beat the, the the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Somebody's got to tell Eric Carlson, uh, maybe don't telegraph a pass at five on three when the game is tied <laughs> late in the third period there, uh, Eric. But, um, okay, M- maybe it's – I'm not buying Frank Ficciano to be the first 90-goal scorer in the league uh, to, since Wayne Gretzky, but – uh, do the Ducks have a 40-goal scorer on their hand? And I still think no. I think no. this is one of those things It's like uh, some guy in April hitting 14 home runs, then he ends up hitting 28 for the entire season, you know? Yeah, does he even get 30? Uh, would it be a first for his career? I think so. Yeah. So um, I, I, even, I mean, I get honestly, I'd say under 25. Okay, that's a little harsh. Like, Frankie V's okay. No, I'm saying – no, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm taking under 25. Yeah. He's the best Frankie V since Frank Valley, you know. I mean, he scored 24 once in his career. <laughs> he can get over Valley. 25. Get yeah. off to a hot start. Nine maybe, goals, like, nine games. I, I, think, I think he'll be in and around the 30 range. Okay. He'll be under 30. He's not going to get 92. I'm fading everything to do with Frank Vitrano. Sats <laughs> just like, no. <laughs> Frankie V. Hates Frankie V. Ain't I'm just saying say Frankie V is not the guy I'm going to be, you know. <laughs> Putting my money on. Uh, all right, next. Uh, next one. The San Jose Sharks are playing at a nine-point pace. Nine-point pace. <laughs> this would shatter the team record of fewest points in a season. The expansion San Jose Sharks, by the way, in 1993, had 24 points in 84 games. Yeah. <laughs> 24 uh, points. Can you imagine, like, oh, you're, like, somebody in the in the Bay Area? Like, man, I'm really excited about this hockey team yeah. we got here. They just lost 70 games. <laughs> It's unreal. Uh, I thought this Pat Falloon guy was supposed to be good. I, uh, Pat Falloon, what a reference. Yeah, yeah that's a made-up name. That's a good, no, you don't even know Pat Falloon. You don't Falloon even know Pat Falloon. Falloon. Wow. He's one of the biggest yeah. draft busts of all time. Yeah. Listen, you should know him just by the bustiness of it. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so the San Jose Sharks, could they be the worst team in the salary cap era? Uh, no. They're probably not going to be. No. They're pretty bad, though. They're going to be bad. Yeah, I don't. The worst team in the salary. I'm fading it just because it's so hard to be that bad. It's the, really hard not to win hockey. But games. like, look at their roster. <laughs> yeah, it is. They are so okay. bad. Are they worse than the 1920 Red, Red Wings? No. That team had 37 points in 71 games before the season ended. 37. 37 points. They gonna get more than 37. I don't think they're going to. Dude, they're so bad. I know they will get more than 37. Come they on, they haven't like, won a game yet. Well, they, well they'll win on Thursday. Win but after games. that. They'll win some games. You know what? Like, what's going to happen is they're going to win like seven out of ten at some point. Everyone's going, "Oh my god, look at the it's it's NHL." They're going to come back. Okay. Well, they have win some. That was a two seventy five point percentage for the Red Wings. Okay. Or how about this? Did they get? Would they be worse than that? Okay. uh, No. Okay. No, they won't be. I'm going to say yes. You think so? Okay. This is the worst hockey team I've ever seen in my life. Do you think they win under twenty games? That's like. I think so. You think so? I think so. Oh my. That's Tw- like 20 is really hard. They're already nine in. So that Red That's Wings team had 17 wins. They were barely going to crest 20. I mean, the thing I love about early in the season is that we always forget how, like, like things change sure. after the first okay. 10 games. I'm, be- I'm <laughs> betting that they're going to be worse than that Red Wings team. So, yes, they'll get 19 wins on the year. 19 wins. I'm, I'm still taking the over. They're not okay. that bad. We'll end with this one. Uh, small sample. Jack Hughes has 18 points and is on pace for 184. So that would so last year Connor McDavid had 153 points. Does he get yeah. more than Connor's 153? How about Jack Jack Hughes wins the Art Ross? 
Maybe that's the better question Ooh. for the to frame this. Yeah. He's off to such a good start, and like McDavid had the the injury, so he's only missed a few games. Yeah, but he's he's got to make those up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Leon's not that far back. He's five back, and he hasn't gotten hot yet. And the crazy thing, though, is about the numbers that Jack Hughes is putting up. It's not like he's writing a super crazy yeah. percentage heater either. Like, his shooting percentage is 16%. Like, yeah. it's not – you can you can stay all year at 16. That wouldn't be wild. The Devils are probably going to be the highest-scoring team in the league or one of them uh, as the year goes on. I would say um, he's going to be in a dogfight to win the Art Ross. Probably doesn't win it but has a chance to get 120 points. 120, yeah. I can see that. I might take him to win it. Ooh. I say he wins it. I say he Spicy. wins that and the heart. Yeah, I think I'm going to take him to win it. Uh, love it. Uh, all right, that is uh, fun with small sample sizes. Uh, we'll see if we can keep it going as we uh, move on throughout the year. Torgy says uh, sharks are good for 16 wins. <laughs> I like it. Tyler says Bruins lost that dead weight they were carrying last year. Hashtag facts only. Hashtag <laughs> jokes for 60. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, uh, coming up, uh, we'll uh, get in on the Nashville Predators and Vancouver Canucks. The matchup for tonight's game at Rogers Arena. That's next on Canucks Central.